Good afternoon, everybody. How are you We're doing? doing today one of our shorts, uh, Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat, Short. Um, we've had various guests on, and we're really excited to have T. Ken Nelson uh, in the house today. Uh, briefly, I'm going to go around the horn. So, Sensuino, guy with the headphones on, my Iaido teacher, uh, A3 Black Belt. Not only my Iaido teacher, but Sensei Legacy's Iaido teacher as well. Um, directly below me is Sensei Legacy, 10-3 Black Belt in Karate in White Crane. Um, also kind of teaches Sensei Suino some karate as well. So we've got this big martial arts love in here between Iaido and karate. And then on, in the bottom corner is T. Kent Nelson, a person I've had the chance to meet personally, train with a little bit. I think the first place we ever met was in uh, the Japanese Martial Arts Center Gen 2. Um, you were in there teaching and I was in there teaching as well. And that's where we first bumped into each other. And then we've seen each other in JMAC Gen 3 a couple of times. And uh Kent's just a really good guy smart guy highly skilled uh very open-minded really good person to train with and an awesome person to talk to uh well thought out opinions and an open mind and he's willing to change his opinions as you talk and today what we're going to talk about is rank um before we get into that subject uh since so you know what do you want to say about uh Kent well I've known Kent a long time I uh don't know exactly how long um, but I know uh, many, many years ago, I owned a dojo in Lansing. I think that's probably how we came into each other's orbit. Um, and uh, at one time when Kent was just starting out, and I, I can't say just starting out, but he had a relatively small dojo many, many years ago. And he asked me to come in and look at his programs, uh, look at what he was doing and give him some suggestions for how to grow the dojo. And I have to say, um, I've done things like that for a lot of people. and uh, uh, I've never seen anybody walk forward as intentionally from an experience as well as Kent has. And I, I, I've been to his, his house and I've seen his system. It's amazing how methodical Kent is and how many amazing gains he's made. If you were to see his dojo today, uh, you'd be astonished to see, to think about where it, where it came from. Kudos to you for all that hard work. Kent's also come to, as, uh, as Randy alluded to, Kent's also come to JMAC a few times to help teach. Um, I've done a little bit of teaching and training, not only with Kent's people in Lansing, but also when he has a visiting, uh, there's a visiting instructor that comes there and I've gone to those. I will be going again uh, just over a week from now. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, shared martial arts interest and training that goes on among this group. Uh, happily, Kent's only an hour away and uh, uh, he's a great training partner. We, we, uh, uh, did a lot of training during COVID together, a lot. That's an exaggeration. We got a lot of good insights together during a little bit of training during COVID. Um, I just have a lot of great things to say about him, and I'm really happy to, anxious to see how this conversation unrolls today. Oh, thank you so much, Nick. That's that's a, that's super heartwarming. I appreciate that, brother. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm going to say one of the things that you know you can agree because it's something you taught me just in the last like maybe I think it was Big Don Pryor who came up with it you're either the type of martial arts instructor who can grow a program or you can't. <laughs> here's, the, here's, the, here's the official statement, right? This, this is the official Suino Sensei uh, 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 teaching continuum. There are only two types of martial arts instructors. Those who, when they teach a class, it grows. And those who, when they teach a class, it shrinks. And I'm happy <laughs> to say everybody on this call is in the, is in the former class. <laughs> I don't know that I always was. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you are now. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Kent, you wanted to tee this uh, topic up about rank, and um, I'm happy to let you just provide a couple of comments before we start asking each other questions. On, uh, I guess my first question to you would be, why is this topic resonating with you? Why is it that you think it would be interesting to talk about rank? Well, I found that for myself, <clears throat> you know, between, uh, well, I, I came to Korean and Japanese and Okinawan systems when I was growing up. So rank was a big deal. And rank always seemed to be like a primary motivator um, during that era, that time period. I was just a little kid. So we're talking about, uh, let's say, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, or late 80s through the 90s, where it was always like, oh, you got to do this, so you're not going to get your next rank, or, you know, whatever it was, and it was always like this, this push motivator thing, and then when I started to get into, uh, like, Chinese and Filipino martial arts, uh, then rank just sort of, like, disappeared completely, uh, and, and I, I went years and years and years, probably about 15 years, and I didn't concern myself with rank, I was just about the, the training, because you get lulled into this idea that rank is false, <clears throat> and it's all about the person, and I, I think there's validity to that as well. Um, and then I started bringing rank back when I became a teacher for the simple fact that like I needed to be able to know what to expect from the different people out in front of me. And it became easy as a visual cue for me. And then when I got into jujitsu in my 30s, it was very different. Rank became extremely important to me because it became the, the thing that pointed me in the direction of whether or not my training was heading in the right direction. You know, if you go five years and you never move up in rank, there may be an indication that maybe your training is bad or something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? And, and so being that I had much less time, advancement in rank let me know, let me validate training methodologies that were functional versus ones that were not. And so over the years, and I've, I've seen students that, that do really well, they don't care about rank whatsoever. I've seen students that really, really care about rank and it, it like destroys them. And I, uh, I've just had some really negative and positive experiences when it comes to rank. And I've changed my own mind so many times about it that I, I can't imagine that it's something that only I struggle with. I, I think it would have to be the, amongst any person that's been teaching martial arts or training martial arts, doing both for, you know, 20 years, like everybody here, or 20 years or more, I think I'm around 35 right now. Uh, it, it's, it always comes up. And as soon as you think you have it answered, and then some, another light is shining on that goes, oh, yeah, I guess there's some benefit. And then something else will happen to go, oh, yeah, it's totally a drawback. And I'm, I, I thought it'd be a good thing to discuss with you guys because you guys are all such amazing veterans and teachers. Thanks for that, Kent. I, I appreciate you. So I guess the first question I'm going to go around to everybody and I'll, I'll kind of be the last one. Um, what, I guess the question just should be, what should rank be? Like, what should it be? Like, why should you get a rank? Whether that's a yellow belt or a seventh dan or a piece of paper that's a Mechio Caden, like what should the rank actually be? And so I'm gonna start with you, Sensei Suino, and then we'll go to Sensei Legacy. And then Kent, I'll let you, like in an ideal world, what, it, what is rank? And then I'll provide a couple of comments after. So Sensei Suino, what do you think it should be? Well, I'm gonna, I'm going to twist the question a little bit and not so much say, I'm not going to give you the, the, the answer in all its fullness, but I think I'm going to give you the, the, the simplest, my simplest <laughs> analysis of what 
of what rank is. And I think rank is a recognition that you've that you've learned the basic patterns of your martial art at the level of that rank. So for example, if 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 your yours is a system that grants you yellow belt above white belt, and there's three kata that you have to learn and two ipon kumite, uh, and you have to spar other yellow belts and you do all that successfully, then it's just a record, it's just a checkbox. It just says you've learned those things uh, to the minimum stated requirements. And as you go up, there are more requirements. Presumably they get more onerous as you go on. Uh, and uh, something I hope we get into a little bit is when you get into the higher Don ranks, you know, uh, it was it was commonly thought of in in my in the judo clubs that I trained at in Japan, that Sandan was the top fighting rank, sometimes Yondan. Above that, everything was for the good of the art. So um, people would get to Sandan and Yondan by fighting other people. If you're at Godan, you're coaching, uh, you're, you're going to curriculum meetings, you're helping with association duties. So it was in Kodokan Judo in Japan. My understanding always has been you fight your way to Sandan, maybe to Yondan, and then you help your way to to uh, the eighth and ninth down levels. And if you're really lucky when you're in hospice, you might get a 10th down. <laughs> so then Sensei, hang on as we go around, um, hang on to your question. Cause we'll come back to that one next on um, the high ranks. You said like getting in, getting into yep. that. I think yep. we should get into that. So Sensei Legacy, what do you, uh, what do you think ranks should be? Well, we can look at it two different ways. Uh, to give you a goal or something that you're going to be recognized that in your art, or you can look at it as an orga uh, organizational type of tool. So that imagine the army without rank. Like, mm. Who would you go to? Would you go to the sergeant? Like who's the sergeant? Who's what? I mean, that's, that's pretty vague, I guess, but just look at it in that way first as a tool so that everything martial arts are the military way so it's everything that has to have structure in order for for you to get some type of understanding if you don't have structure then things are constantly changing and you can never never really reach full understanding of something that's always changing right so if if it makes martial arts better even if it's something that's invited, invented today, as far as uh, we'll say just ranking or another way of making persons or the art go better, then that's what you do. You have to insert certain things, to make things work better for you. I have other ideas, but I don't want to take all the time, but I like to break in and out a couple of different times. Yeah. So before I turn it to you, Ken, I appreciate that sense of legacy. I think that's right. I think, you know, since Sweeney, you were talking about, I think number one, it's an acknowledgement from your teacher. They're looking, it's not what you want people to see. It's what your teacher sees in you, right? And if you keep it that way, then the students should just stay focused on the training, loving the training, doing the training, build a good relationship with your sensei. And then your sensei says, Hey, in my opinion, you're a yellow belt. Some belts feel uncomfortable when you first get them. I know when I, 
you, you, and then you have to rely on your teacher. Your teacher gives you this belt and says, guess what? Today I put you at this level. And you're like, I don't feel like that sensei. Like, I don't feel like I should be at that, but you just put it on and you trust your teacher. So that's one thing I would say. Uh, another thought I have, Kent, is that, you know, you often, we often talk about styles and systems. And a system can have a style, but some styles have no system. They look a certain way, but they do nothing there. So then everything you get in that, in that style is just about the way you look and not about what you can actually do. Whereas if you have a system, it's pushing you constantly wedging you in a direction of a certain skill level and a certain ability level, and maybe a certain teaching level and maybe a certain and then that's where the ranks just come naturally and you can feel more comfortable in your ranks outside of your own dojo. Mm -hmm. um, so I think uh, a rank for me is an acknowledged by your teacher that you've attained a certain skill level, right? Not that you just came here long enough or did enough or, you know, you bowed nicely when you got on the floor, like those things to me, like that's, I guess then it can be a motivator, but I don't think that's what it should be. Um, what do you think, Ken? Well, this is this is something I've thought about a lot, and I've I've really bro I've broken <clears throat> for myself. Uh, I've broken like earning rank kind of down to like the four components that I look for for someone to earn rank. But I think first and foremost, which and we can I'd love to just get into that and discuss that with with all you guys and get your different opinions on those components. But and maybe things I'm missing. But I I think first and foremost you have to look at when it comes to rank what was the ranking system established for by the instructor? Then after that, what have you personally assigned to it that had nothing to do with that? You know, for, for some people and for myself, when I decided to bring uh, visual colored ranks back into like my Kali program, uh, that was not to make the student feel great about themselves. That was simply because my classes were growing to a place where I was like, uh, okay, everybody here is dressed the same, looks the same. I got, I got to quickly be able to decipher who's my advanced guys, who's my newer guys, who can I expect what out of? And this is where I really kind of really struck me with Sensei Legacy said about like, you know, no, no rank in the military. So I think one of the purposes, if the rank, if rank was established in your, in your dojo, your school, your gym, because of size and organization for, for ease of teaching classes. I think you have to like, look at that, you know, uh, that's sometimes when, when other students will then attach their own emotional opinions to what rank is supposed to mean. And that's when you get people that excel or you get people, you know, you get people that, 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 that feel like, uh, they hit depression because they just chase the rank instead of like looking for themselves and people add all this extra stuff to it. Now, if it was, you know, if you're training one-on-one -on -one with somebody, uh, you know, then most definitely that rank is a reflection of, the, of, of, of you and that instructor and your journey together, right? But if it's, if it's a large group, I think, like I said, you just have to, you have to find out ahead of time, what was the purpose of this ranking structure that I'm about to enter into so that you don't assign something to it that isn't there to start with? That would be my, my first thing. Yeah. Don't you think they will anyway, though? Like when people come in, I absolutely think every single person will. Well, yeah, they but, will. But yeah. nobody has ever said to me, why did you start the ranking systems? And what, you know, like, what is, what was their purpose for bringing it back? It's always like, oh, it's a reflection of how good I am. Well, 
could be, but it's more of an organizational tool yeah. or it was at the time that I brought it back. Now it's, now it's different again. That was just at the time I brought it back. Right. Yeah. It, I, uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember one of our guests said, um, I can't remember who the guest was, but I remember them saying it. If it pops in my head, I'll, nobody ever joined my dojo based on the rank that I was as a teacher. Like nobody walked in the door and said, what's your rank? And actually, I think that's true. I can't, I cannot recall in the last 20 years, as long as I was wearing the right belt, they seemed to want to come in. But the people, once they get here, then they want the ranks. Like they want the ranks. Um, I had lots of people come in that want to make sure I know what rank they are. <laughs> yeah, I had that. Yeah, we all had that. Cicero, <laughs> how do you want to tee up the, the next section of our conversation about higher ranks? So I think we've talked about them as a teaching aid, as a motivator. I think they are those things. Um, that's what Funakoshi used them for. I think that's what most of the Japanese systems started them for as teaching aids. Um, I do think they help the people in the class. Like, you know, you want to be a brown belt. Uh, you look at the brown belts and you're like, well, if I can do that stuff or go to those people and hang with them, then I guess I should be in there. But how do you want to tee up this next section of the conversation? Higher ranks. After you uh, get past the point that you care about rank. <laughs> uh well, that's really interesting you say it that way, because usually when you get there, uh, like, for example, in JMAC, right, when people, you know, it takes a long time and very few people make it to Sandan or Yondan. By that time, you know, if someone at that level says to me, I don't care about rank, um, then they get a black mark on their record. Uh, just because it, by then they should not be thinking about themselves anymore. You know, that just means that they're focused. They're focused on themselves they've been focused on themselves all the way through the Q ranks, all the way through the, you know, they've probably been there at least 12, 15 years. They should know by then. And if they don't, I go quickly inform them that at that point, further ranks are not about them. They're about the dojo. Uh, you, I don't know if you ever heard that Chinese proverb or there's a story, right? A guy goes to a great calligrapher and he says, write me something that I can put on my, on my fireplace. Uh, I hear you're really famous. So the guy writes something and the guy looks at it and goes, holy shit. It says, it says, grandfather dies, father dies, son dies. And the guy goes, how can you write this? You're just talking about everybody dying. And the, the master says, listen, this is the natural order of things. You want the grandfather to die first, the son, the father to die second. This, if, it, if you break this order, it's a tragedy. Um, same thing in the dojo. You want your sandans and yondans to be better at the martial arts, but also better at understanding the culture of the dojo, better at making sure things are done properly. You know, at the end of class, if I got a black belt with a mop on the floor, I get pissed off. The black belt can go get the mop at JMAC, but then they have to hand the mop off to the fucking green belts or white belts and tell them what to do, right? They need to know that by then. And so one of the things about rank, at, at, yes, of course, it's about your abilities, but it's more to me at that level, as I alluded to with the Kodokan, at that level, it's more about uh, are you contributing back to the school? Um, you know, are you making a difference in the lives of the people who ranks are, uh, whose ranks are lower? So if I move, if I say, say to you in six months, I'm going to test you for Godan, you should be going, holy shit, what do I have to do to get ready? 
and only a third of that is kata or whatever, right? The other two thirds is, am I the, am I the leader I'm supposed to be? Do I know enough about the dojo culture? Do I know about the, the runnings of the, of the dojo? Uh, do I know what the associations are? Do I know the state of my art in, in, within the, the larger martial arts world? Um, so that's my, uh, that's my uh, uh, 23 cents on that. That at that level, it's really not about, it's really only partly about your skill level. Who do you want to punch it to next, Census Uh Let's hear from Hachi Legacy. Well, you see how ranked he is, covers a lot of ground. It's not, you know, it sounds like a small, but when you're in the business, it touches everything. Like again, nothing would be organized, absolutely nothing, if we didn't have some type of order, right? Uh, the other thing too is that we always look at um, I'd say the lower ranking belts, by that I mean in the dance, the first, second, and third, and fourth dance, maybe not so much fourth dance, but they need some type of leadership too. And how many of your students out of 100, maybe we'll make it, how many students out of 1,000 stay 35 years in your dojo? Okay, so it's hard to fill those spots. And um, and on the way up, the people that do stay, and there's very few of those, a complete school has to be able to educate them all their lives, not just 10 years or 12 years. At least that's that's where it should start out to be. So once you get to be an eighth and a ninth, then you're not learning new cutters or doing stuff like that, but you're trying to keep the structure of all martial arts together, not just yours, because if one starts to fall apart, Eventually, the rut gets to everything. It starts falling apart everywhere. So it's those few individuals who really, like that uh, Tony gentleman that we spoke to last night. Now, that guy is good for martial arts, like the Irish gentleman. So it takes those guys with a pure heart to go on and try to stand in the shadow of, say, Matsumura or Shigeru Kano or those guys. And it has to be done today. And as strange as it may seem, it's guys like me that fill those positions. And we need to think about that too. To not only taking from martial arts the first five dance, but staying there the other dance to make sure that other people have the ability and a way of getting their art and their height. So it's, it says, Ends is sort of a, a ladder to help you to the top. That's a Suno, me or Kent? Who do you want to go next? Uh, I'm going to tee it to Kent, but first, I just want to remind everybody of the Muhammad Ali quote, right? He goes, service is the rent you pay for your time on the planet, right? And that that resonates with what Hanji just said about, you know, up to your first five dons is about you, and then and then the rest of the time you spend paying paying for for that. Kent, what do you have to say on that, on the topic of high ranks? Higher ranks? You know, it's interesting because I come from a little bit different uh, culture. Uh, I mean, I have, I have ranks in Okinawan Japanese martial arts and in Korean martial arts, but I've spent the last 22 years um, oh, and also Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as far as like belts go, but I spent the last 22 years 
um, also involved in Jeet Kune Do and Filipino martial arts and various um, various things like that. That that uh, and training under under training either under the guidance of or directly under people who there's almost no student ranks at all, maybe nothing, zero for 10 years. And then boom, then you're an instructor. And then there's instructor levels after that, which I was kind of a new theory to me. And I, I kind of enjoyed that a little bit that they really look at you in terms of like, you're kind of nothing until you're a teacher, because then you're responsible for other people's journeys. And so when you talk about like the higher ranks, like that's what I, I feel like I'm listening to You talk about like, you know, there's, there's the level you're talking about, like maybe up to your fifth down or whatever, with, with inside whatever art you're referring to of that's about the, your personal journey. And then what about the journey of those around you afterwards? I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it personally. Um, and I guess I hadn't really maybe given it the thought it needed as far as uh, looking at that structure of like zero ranks versus instructor ranks. You know, because the instructor ranks are the most important because that's not about really you. That's about your ability to give it to somebody else. And, uh, and you, I, I guess you don't fall into the trap of getting caught up into what rank means on your own personal journey. When the first rank you earn is a rank that says you're responsible for making sure somebody else's journey is a good one. Um, so I think that's really, that, that's really an interesting concept. Um, yeah, I, I dig that idea of like at a certain point, it's about the journey of those around you and, and your stewardship of that. Cause at that point you now have the, you now have the experience to give advice and guidance because you've walked in those shoes. You've, you've been down that path and having somebody with you anytime, if you've ever done something um, out of your area or, or out of your comfort zone, having a guide or a, you know, somebody with you that's done something like that before, whether you're going ATVing or fishing or, or whatever it might be, having a guide is always, always helpful. At least it is for me. <laughs> next, next bobbing his head. I'm like, yeah, I can't fish without a guide. It's just, it's just me standing there mad, mad at water. That's all it is burning in the sun. I need a guide. <laughs> Randy, what about you? What are your thoughts on higher ranks? Yeah, you, you know, uh, I can't see only one on this call who won't know my thoughts on those because I've talked to you and since I see about it a lot. I think I really think higher ranks are linked to your ability to lead and teach. I, I just really do. If you're just a person who just loves the training, you just there about yourself. At a certain point, rank won't become important to you either. Like it won't, it, you'll just be like, I like hitting the bag. I like doing my katas. I like fighting with people. Don't really care what anybody else thinks of that. Cause it's all about me. I think when you get to the higher ranks, it's really linked to your ability to be a teacher a leader. And then it's just, it's also about, um, I know we're talking about it. It's the organization that Sense Legacy is talking about. It's nice when you step on the floor and I'm leading a class and then Sweeno comes on the floor and he's got his sword strapped on. I just move to the side because I know my rank and his rank indicate that he should be leading this. He has more skill. He has more knowledge. He has more ability. And now it's my turn to just put myself back into the, the student side. Um, so I really do think that higher ranks have to do with your ability to teach and lead and keep structure and organization uh, so that it's not chaotic in your dojo where people aren't picking their favorite instructor based on do they got big biceps? Uh, is their uniform always clean? 
or can they actually do what what I need them to help me do? Like, can they can they help me with that? Um, and that's why I think it gets the higher ranks, it gets lesser and lesser. Like I've the analogy I like to give is that I think you said since you know it was less than two percent of all the people that ever you ever trained actually achieved a black belt, a shodan. And so then it gets lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser. And I like to tell people, you know, if you take a hundred shodans and put them in a room and they all start training, naturally people are going to gravitate towards two or three of them are going to be better, more dynamic, better teachers, better technicians. Those are the ones that are going to become second dance. And then when you take a hundred second dance and put them in a room you know, 10 of them are going to be more dynamic, better technicians, better leaders. And it just gets less and less and less, right? That's why I, I feel like when you go to a seminar, like those people recognize each other really quickly, who the top level teachers are. They know right away. They form friendships within like two seconds. Um, and the rank, again, is just some outward manifestation of that, in my opinion. Right. Um, and again, I think later, Sensusfina, as you're talking about, it's almost thrust upon you. You're not asking for it or looking for it. It's put on you and it feels a bit uncomfortable when somebody drops it around your waist. You're not, there should be some level of like insecurity and indecision on a person receiving a higher rank. They shouldn't be the ones standing there yelling, give it to me. I want it. I want it. Right? They should not, I don't think. If they knew the responsibilities that come with it, they wouldn't be quite so anxious. <laughs> it's not well, just hit the bag a little harder. There's more, more to it than that. Yeah. Hachi, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, I did. So, so we look at ourselves as professionals and, and, um, in this art. So what do we really need? why we need those higher ranks or for us to last around that long. As you know, if you train long enough, martial arts just doesn't release the secrets or secrets may be a bad word, but all its favors to you until you work it out. You, you can be there twice as long as I've been in martial arts, but if you don't do the work, if you don't do everything right, you're not going to, and this is the key word, in martial arts and all martial arts is understand, understand. It takes you that much time. I've been in karate for 51 years and I'm not trying to boast or anything, but I understand what I'm doing. So if we, if we are wanting to be accepted by the world as a whole, as something that is worthwhile, you have to be able to figure things out. By that, I mean, it's like a mathematician. If I asked any one of you now, now for the square root of 287,212 and a half, who could come up with it? Right. But you can say to me, I can figure that out. That's right. I can figure it out because he understands math. And if we understand martial arts, if we train hard enough, we'll get that understanding. And I think that it's what really separates you, the top teacher, from all other teachers is total understanding of what you're doing on all different levels. You are now the grand master, and that's 
That's what those belts stand for. And it's not so much in looking down at the other persons or actually looking up, but it's sort of a signal to everyone, even from other dojos, just other martial artists who want to learn more, go to someone who's acquired that knowledge. In another credited martial arts master's view, not his brother gives him a 10th day or a ninth day. But I, what I'm very, very proud of, I know a lot of guys who got their high rankings by changing associations. You go to, the, you're a seventh dan, you go to the southern association, they give you an eighth dan because they want you to be there. So you're their eighth dan, then it goes from there to somewhere else. Well, I, I was one of my teacher 30 some years when he graded me and I, I'm really proud that I didn't do that. But my teacher tapped me on the shoulder. As a matter of fact, he knew it was gonna be great before I did. So. He isn't me, I knew. <laughs> yeah. so what I'm saying basically is you have to strive to understand what you do so that you can teach the other ones that wisdom. So unless somebody else has a question, I have one that might help everybody unless somebody, but it doesn't have to be me. Says Sasuino, do you, are you okay? I have, I have more, but uh, happy to hear yours and then circle back. I mean, we got a little bit of time left. Yeah, I wonder, a question that I have is since we've cracked open what rank should be or what it could be, um, and obviously it, um, where does rank matter? Like, where does it matter? That's a question I often think about. And I'll, I'm not going to answer it, but I'll tell you something that I tell my students in here is that I don't care if you're, I don't care what your rank is. I don't care if you're a coral belt in BJJ or you're a 10th then in karate or that motherfucker on the sidewalk does not give two shits about what rank your teacher said you are. They don't care. So my question is, and that's what we're training for is to deal with that. Well, one of the primary things is to deal with that motherfucker on the sidewalk. That's one of the primary things you're training. So my question is, where does rank matter? Where do you think it matters? Right? Where are the places that it matters? Uh, Sasuna, you got any thoughts on that? Well, clearly the place that matters most is in the society of martial artists where you spend your time, right? In your dojo, in your association. Uh, it matters probably a little less if you go to an event where there's multiple associations. Although, as Hanshi said, it's still a signal to others in the room, kind of, you know, who's put the time in uh, and who's got the respect. Um, I'll tell you one place that matters very little, and that is in a marriage. <laughs> Ask me how I know. I uh, next. Don't matter now. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I have been humbled. How about you, uh, since legacy? Where do you think rank matters or doesn't matter? Where do you want to take that? Well, I, I agree. It's a it's a tool that we use to keep martial arts going. Once you stepped out of that going to the street it's a little bit like i mentioned this before it's a little bit like being batman or superman or something you you come out of your dojo where you're an elite fighter and then you put your regular street clothes on uh, and go out there it matters to you if you attack this guy i'll tell you that 
that's who it matters to. Not per se which rank he is, but that he has trained that hard and got that belt. And if you go to a good classical karate dojo, um, you will notice the difference in guys who stay longer. You know, the longer the fight, the more of a chance you've got to lose or you've got to get hurt. So good martial arts will end it quickly and as effectively as possible. So not all dance can do that. No. Not all dance. Not all dance will talk their way out of the fight. When you're saying that, I think of rank in any system, like even like the the military or you know the But private on the the private on the other side doesn't care that it's a general standing there with a gun. They're going to blow them away if they get the chance in a war. They're not going to care what rank they are when they step out onto the battlefield. Anyway. Uh, Kent, what do you what are your thoughts on this? Where does it matter? As far as matters, I mean, rank is only good as far as like, I guess it matters for as much as what it was intended for, like I said before. So if you don't know what the intent was, if the intent was for the instructor to be able to isolate or, or identify different groups on the floor quickly, you know, or if, or if the intent was like, you know, is it, is it, what did you get into it for? You know, is your, is your rank just uh, something with inside of your peer group, because that's usually what it is. It's usually, it's usually some sort of classification with inside of your peer group, with inside of your school and what you do and where you're all uh, adhering to the same standards, right? Uh, outside of that, I, I don't really think it, it matters. Like even from one school to another, it, it's really irrelevant because training methods are, are different. I mean, uh, I love, I absolutely love the opportunities I get to go Um, grapple with, with Suino sensei. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the first couple times I went to his place, I think I brought three belts with me. I think I brought a white belt, a purple belt and a black belt, or maybe it was a white belt, a blue belt and a black belt at the time. And I was like, which one do you want me to wear? What's most appropriate for your school? You know, because because <laughs> I'm not a beginner and neither, neither the other two are arts that you're doing here, but they're all, but grappling isn't all of them, you know? And so it doesn't matter. Uh, I think what's important is if it represents what your goals were as well, though, if your goals would be able to take care of the guy out on the street corner and you can't do that, although your rank tells you you can, that's a problem, right? If that's not your goals, if your goal is like, like, Oh, I wanted to get in better shape. So I joined this martial arts school that my friend was part of. And uh, I love everybody there and they're all really fun. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the rank gives me motivation to, to keep going or whatever it might be. Like if, you know, if that is your reason, your goal, and that's pushing you in that direction, then I think it matters then it, 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 it only matters with whatever value you personally give to it. That's it. And when somebody else walks in the door with a rank on, you know, I, I understand the concept of, uh, well, that rank indicates the, the time put in and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think today there's enough, there's enough charlatans out there, you know, just as much as our legitimate people out there that when somebody walks in and they're, you know, 24 years old and they're a ninth degree black belt, you know, you, you also have to wonder, did they, did they put, Did they put the time in by 29 to be a ninth degree black belt? You know, like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I, I 100% agree with like, it's what it should do. But the reality of it is because there's so many people that have um, taken broader liberties with what, what rank means, 
Um, and also kind of outside of your own school, outside of your own peer group, your own whatever it might be, it, it really doesn't hold much purpose outside of that other than your personal goals for it. Awesome. awesome. With over all the years I've been in it and since the beginning of the belt system where Fonakoshi and Jigeru Kano got together, they haven't thrown it out. So all the intelligent minds that run all the different styles must still think there's value in it. We oh have yeah. To look, we have to look to the people who are ahead of us or the way our arts are now. And we're the ones who have to figure out. And you, you don't throw anything out unless you're absolutely 100% sure that it's better. You don't just do it on a whim. Right? Right. Martial arts or martial arts, maybe not belts in particular, are 8,000 years old. So there had to be some type of a structure starting right back from Darumataishi up to us. Well, I also think is, is oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to just interrupt. May I, so I, I think also that, uh, you know, when it comes to, to ranking systems as human beings, we learn by comparison. It's how our brain works. You know, so if we are doing one thing, like if it's always nighttime, we don't understand what nighttime is, right? If something is, is always terrible, then we don't really understand what terrible is. It's just normal. Um, and so what rank also does, it helps give you that comparison, whether it be a comparison with inside of your own journey or whether it be a comparison to those around you, which uh, can be beneficial and can be harmful, depending on how you're looking at it. Uh, I think that it's, it's an, uh, I think it's stuck around for so many years because of the human mind and how we learn. And we need that comparison to see that we have been moving down the road, that we have some sort of, you know, progress going on. Cause I think when you feel like there's no progress and you get stagnation, things just kind of get boring and you move on. I, I noticed that Sino has something he, or a question that he wants to crack open, but uh, I just want to react to one thing that you said, Kent, which is, I think it does matter outside of your dojo or your dojo is probably not so good, right? If your rank only matters inside of your club, then you need to get back to the drawing board because it should matter when you step on the mat in other places. I was with Suino when he was at the Kodokan in, in Tokyo, Japan and watched him and his black belt step out onto the floor with black belts from Germany black belts from Japan, black belts from Canada, black belts from wherever, hundreds of them. And there was no doubt in my mind that they were black belts, that they were at that standard and that they were at that level. And I can honestly say as a seventh and when I go around, I encounter people who are better teachers than me, who are lower ranking and maybe, but I never feel like I shouldn't be there. Like, I don't go into any martial arts dojos where I step in the room and I think I'm not this thing that I built myself into. And if you can only be that thing in your own dojo in front of your own teacher, then you need to go back to the drawing board or find a better club, in my opinion. I think you may have, I, I respect what you're saying. And I, I agree with what you're saying in the context of what you're saying. I think you may have misunderstood a little bit what I meant by that. Um, I'm trying to choose my words like in a way that conveys, in a way that conveys the idea the way I it's want okay. to convey. It's know? okay if uh, I misunderstand or we don't agree. Wrong, right? You wrong. No. <laughs> We're gonna have beers when I'm in Michigan, no matter what. Like it's all gonna be good. 
So, so I, I hear what you're saying there, right? But in, in that aspect, you're almost kind of, again, you're comparing the belt to the belt, not the person to the person, because the standards within, within inside of the peer group could be so much higher or lower than the other peer group. So to give you a, a, a for instance, when I was uh, uh, my jiu-jitsu professor, uh, Professor Chet Scamahorn, who's Nick could be training with us next week. Uh, he kept me at white belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu for about three years. And uh, that's, that's a long time to be a white belt, I felt at the time, right? And I remember going to my buddy's school uh, and it was a karate school. And he had a, a kid there that was a brown belt, it was about my size. And uh, who also did some wrestling, some other stuff. And he was, was like, Hey, you want to do some playing around? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure. Let's go. And I just rolled through this kid as a white belt, even though he was wearing a brown belt because the standards of what is different for karate and what is different for jujitsu are extraordinarily different. So rank doesn't matter. His brown belt and my white belt did not matter. And I happen to know that instructor has very high standards um, for what he expects out of his people. And that, 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 that gentleman that I, that I rolled right through, he was a fantastic martial artist with a very good instructor and very good standards, but they were different standards and I just put him in a different place. So rank didn't matter there. And now, now granted, there's also kind of coming from different sides of the spectrum a bit, but where rank should matter is with inside the peer group. When you say like, well, you shouldn't have like a white belt in your school who can just destroy the black belt in your school. Now, granted, there's different things that are going to come along with that with age, injury, illness, different things like that, right? But in general, all things being equal, the white belt shouldn't tap out the black belt every time they roll, right? Or the white belt shouldn't knock out the black belt every time they spar with inside that peer group because they have the same standard they're going against. They're trying to learn. Does that make sense? It does. But I guess then what I'm saying is then the standard of the dojo, like it's, you have the standard in your peer group, mm -hmm. in your dojo. Everybody's trying to achieve that. Other dojos should be looking at other dojos going, like when you were a white belt for three years, you kind of also proved what I was saying. There's probably no place you would have went to go do BJJ after three years as a white belt where you would have been afraid to roll with the white belts. Right. Right. I, I, I agree. I, I agree with that, but I still, you know, uh, okay, here's another one. Uh, same vein. A couple of weeks ago, I went and trained at Professor Chet's, and uh, I was uh, I was I'm a three stripe purple. That day, I just happened. It's not a brag. That day, I just happened to be the highest person that day in class, and uh, I tapped. I tapped to a one stripe blue belt who was just amazing. Just just amazing. Had you know, like who who I've got something like eight years more experience than this guy, but he was young and he's very good and very talented and he gets to be with Professor Chet every day and it happens, you know? So did rank matter? Didn't matter that day, <laughs> you know? And we're, we're both under the same instructor and I, I rank, I think so much reflects personal journey. And I, and I, I respect what you're saying because yeah, you need to be able to defend yourself. And I also agree that like you can set the standards, like say, okay, well, we need a, we need a, better standards. So we're going to set our standards for this other school over here and make it there so that we rise up. Well, somewhere, somewhere, there's some other school that's got higher standards than that. And so you, you go to that and then there's some other school that has higher standards, but in a different area than that. So you go to this here now. And I feel like 
you just wind up chasing that forever versus finding something that you're happy with and in your journeys because you're going to excel with inside of your journey if you have happiness and peace within your journey. But if you're constantly playing that comparison game, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Um, if you're constantly playing that comparison game, I think that in time, you know, um, there's benefits to it. It can definitely push you to get better. Absolutely. But at a certain point, you also have to acknowledge that like, uh, I'm getting older. It's tough for me. It's tough for my spin kick to get any faster. It's tough for my round kick to get any higher. You know, I, uh, I, I've actually gone back to working on hip flexibility and, and uh, hip strengthening exercises uh, in the last, probably in the last week or so, just from the, the basis of recognizing like, wow, I watched, I was watching some, kit, some guys kick the other day. I'm like, geez, I, I don't have those great kicks like I used to. And I realize I'm probably never going to have my old Taekwondo day kicks back again. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But should I put myself in a comparison with all the Taekwondo black belts out there? Because there's a broad spectrum of skill in when it comes to Taekwondo black belts out there. So ultimately, I have to figure out my journey and what's most important for me in that and not compare myself to those other guys, but look to those other guys and go, oh, I like the way this guy has, does a hip exercise because it helps with that. I like the way this guy rotates his foot. I like the way this guy does this and that. Weird that a JKD guy would be saying, like, look at from, from all sources and figure out how it works for you, right? But, <laughs> but essentially, I guess that's how I, how I look at it, because as soon as I raise my standards to this one guy, there'll be some other guy with higher standards. So should I follow him? And as I, as I age, I can't keep playing that game. I have to find a place where I'm comfortable with who I am and understand what I need to do for my satisfaction and my happiness on my journey. I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I respect all of it. Mm -hmm. I want to throw it over to Sensestrino because these are supposed to be shorts not longs and we're going on an hour now. So, uh, well, do are we want to, do we want to do a wrap up or do you want to just take on one more question? We got, I got time to take on one more question if everybody else does. I'm good. And then wrap up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So here's something I've noticed for myself and for many of my students. And it's part of my calculation as an instructor, when I tell people it's time for them to test. And that is that the process of preparing for the test and the process of going through the crucible of the test itself is part of the advancement. It's part of the maturing process, right? If someone tells you, you know, I've told all my karate people on April 14th, they have to train their favorite kata for two months. And on April 14th, they have to demonstrate in front of a whole class, plus in front of our Japanese instructor. The process of building that and then performing is part of their mature part of their maturing process right the pressure that they're under and the organization they have to do mentally to get through that just like with testing helps right a crucible changes you so i'd like to hear what people have to say about that like like do you wait till people are 100 ready is your calculation when you say hey it's time for you to test for a rank does that take into account the growth that they're going to go through during the process of testing itself is that, am I making, is the question clear? I understand the question. Randy, why don't you start us out? Uh, I think if you, my answers are going to be very similar to Sensei's answers. So, um, you know, we've had lots of problems with different instructors in our association who have different motivations. Uh, we had a person recently 
leave our association. And in my opinion, it's just because as we were talking, they can't, they can't meet those standards. I think census, you know, what you're talking about is if you have a good teacher, then the preparation and you're being guided properly, then I 100% agree with what you're saying that, you know, if I say to one of my students, a white belt, you're going to grade in six months for a yellow belt. These are the things I want you to do. I'm going to be paying attention. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be guiding them. I'm going to be correcting things. Maybe that gets different. Like when you graded me to a Yondan, I told you what I was going to do. You didn't say on this day, you have to do these things. You said, be ready on this day to do whatever I tell you to do. And so what did I do? I just methodically like did my fucking cuts every single day over and over again, practice my two man set nonstop over and over again. Um, I definitely got better incrementally, not exponentially. I wouldn't say I got exponentially better at that at that time in my life. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question. I think the preparation, you need a target to shoot for, that creates a fire and you need that in order to actually be the best you can be on that day. Whereas it's probably not as good as if you walk on the floor and somebody just says, here's a belt, you're a yellow belt today. And they just throw it at you and you go put it on and go stand in line. I think the pressure of the test is definitely going to lead you to become a better martial artist and knowing it that you're being tested on that day. Yeah. So part of the purpose, Hachi, what do you think about that? What about the preparation and the experience of the test itself? Well, um, the experience of learning it, it I think that uh, that's why you shouldn't be a teacher until you're at least a fourth dance because you have to be able to instantly recognize, uh, not instantly, let's say over a certain amount of time, but when you turn around and you look at your student, you instantly know what, what his potential is. And that's really what a teacher should do is just, it's not bringing them up to a certain percentage, just bringing that person up to their 100% potential, right? Because again, like you said, there are, you know, there are, lesser black belts than, than other black belts. You know what I mean? And the other thing that I wanted to say was, um, what we're talking about standards, having higher standards than that. Lower standards come from laziness. Your program is still the same. Nobody changes your program. Standard isn't changing some, your program. It's changing how you approach it. So it's still the same. You just need to turn the gas up a little bit, get going, work a little bit harder, make yourself a little bit sharper. You know what I mean? It's like having a fine-tuned car. It runs better than not so fine-tuned car. And that's all standard is. Standard is pushing yourself to be that quality, not to change it to make you better. Just change it, you'll still be that shitty. If you don't train hard, it's that simple. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, is that plain enough? <laughs> Sorry for the words. But... Uh, 
Kent, yeah, what do you think? Uh, what about the experience of preparing for the test and the test itself? What is that pressure? How does that pressure play into the, the whole equation? Uh, well, for me, this is where we might have some divergence. <laughs> so, so I've, uh, you know, I've been part of uh, schools and organization systems that uh, where you have a specific testing day uh, where you have to prep for that and go through that. And there's, there's definitely benefits to that. I have a hundred percent seen that. Um, <clears throat> I'm also not a big believer that your performance on a single day at a single moment should be reflective of your overall of your overall skill and ability, which is really what the rank reflects. And so, you know, I kind of go back and forth. I, I used to have to go through formal testings. Uh, I still do with one art that I, I do. Uh, but, you know, one thing I've really kind of found, and this is what I do for my, for my students is uh, if somebody's getting, if I want to prepare somebody, you know, I'll, I'll start calling on them more. I'll make them demo with me to the whole class more. I will, so that I get their feel, you know, I will, uh, I might make them demonstrate something at the end of every class for like two months, you know, to the point where every class feels like a little testing for them until it's just, you know, just normal. It's just, oh yeah, I was a little nervous to get there before, but now I can, now I can do this thing that was complicated or I can do this thing I didn't have as much confidence in before. And now I can just do flow with it because I've been, I've been brought up here in front of a bunch of people and, and, and I, and I keep doing it. I always work on stuff that, you know, I, I mean, I never put somebody up to fail. That's for sure. You know, but for me, uh, that's, that's that prep phase for me. And then eventually that leads to them moving up in level. And also for me, like when it comes to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like I've never had a formal testing that I can think of in Brazilian jiu-jitsu but that's because, and this is how I believe things are, every day is the test, right? Every time I go, every, every, every time I come to class, it's the test. Every day, and this is how I think about it for my students too, every day they could move up in rank. It's up to them. You get to decide what kind of class you're going to have. You know, are you going to go in and you're going to be mopey and you're going to not be prepared and not have your gear with you and haven't practiced? Cool. That's the, that's the result of your test that day, right? That you weren't ready, you know, uh, versus like a day you come in and, and you work hard and you, you grind away and you grind away and you grind away. And, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't move up that day. That's okay. Nothing wrong with not moving up. You're not going to move up every day. That's just part of the game, but you keep showing that, that grind, that, that, that everyday consistency. And one day, you know, you might get awarded a belt, you might get awarded a rank or might get awarded a certificate. And that's because of the, the consistency of the training as is, not because this is something extra special. Or I, I just, uh, I thought I've been experienced to both. And I, I feel like, I remember when I got my purple belt from Chet and uh, I was down at his place and one of my students was, was with me. And it was nothing formal. It was just a, just a regular day. But, but it's the thing is that I had been apparently performing at that level for so long. That's why it was a regular day for me. But because I, because I push myself, because I drive two hours to go train, because I'm always pulling students over here, because that's just how I operate. And that's when I was ready at that time. Um, I honestly, you know, I would, I would, I've seen situations where people go up for testings and on that day, you know, maybe they've, maybe they got the flu 
you know, or that day, you know, maybe, maybe they were up all night the night before with a, with a sick kid, or, you know, they, they pull a hamstring a week before or something like that, something that, that, that inhibits their ability to perform properly on that day. Or you have a, I've seen it with, with, uh, back in my uh, karate and taekwondo days, you have somebody that, that can perform their form or their kata absolutely perfectly. And then they get in front of 50 people to do it and, oh, something just, just happens and, and they freeze up. And I've seen, you know, and then they feel horrible about that moment. They feel like they failed that moment or the instructor might actually say, hey, you can't do it. You can't pass. That's all there is to it. But that's, that's almost like, that's just a reflection of that, that one moment. It's not a reflection of their whole journey. And it's not a reflection of where they're truly at in this moment. It's just right there. And so I, I you know, I think that to me, that's like judging somebody for one day out of their life versus what they did with their whole life. If that makes sense. And so, so, I'm sorry. Say again. No, you go ahead. Oh, I just, so, so for me, I just, I'm a little different with it because I've experienced both sides of it. And it probably comes down to personal preference because I, I definitely find value in the prep phase. Like when I've, when I've had to do that, I definitely put that pressure on myself to push myself a little harder and get there. And that's something that has to be developed. That's a character building piece that martial arts does for you. That's excellent. Uh, at the same time, I think, uh, I, I think you have to be careful about the putting all your eggs in one performance basket moment um, and letting that reflect the, the relationship or the, you know, because to me, that's so much about relationship when it comes to rank between you and your instructor and not so much just how you performed on a certain day. I agree with what you say in the whole thing. But on the other hand, I think that... Um, not so much in higher ranking students, but I think the purpose of having a person's family and their friends or having them come there and doing it and, and having a moment to say, this was the moment where I passed. That's the only real purpose. What you're saying is absolutely true. That's how I don't hardly ever, even though I sometimes do, but I don't hardly ever pass a person just on that grading day. There are so many other things. Yeah. So I agree with you fully on that. Okay. Well, and, and I, I mean, I definitely agree. There has to be a, that, 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 that building process where a student is put in a position to, to push themselves a little harder, you know, than they normally would. I think that's, that's an excellent component too. And, uh, um, but you never know. I just might start doing that a little bit more. <laughs> sometimes when you reach that high you push yourself that high you move up just a little bit I, uh, that's right I, I, honestly Ken, like i don't mean to always be bumping bump up again but i think i disagree with what you're saying i i don't think i agree with that at all okay uh, because i think if you, our whole society is set up that way and it's gotten weaker when we've said oh you don't fail grade one you, we just move you to grade two but you're not actually good in grade two now. And we're going to move you to grade three and you should still be in grade one because you didn't. You... And that's what I think happens in most martial arts schools. I think a person, I think a person gets pushed too soon. I think they're not ready when they test, they push them ahead anyways. And that's what we see with a lot of our public school stuff. Right. So, but I think on the day you have to do the test. If you want to be a lawyer, you have to pass the bar. Sure. Period. If you want to be a medical doctor, you have to pass those exams. Like you have to, if you want to be a martial arts teacher or whatever, 
these are steps that are moving you in the direction of, and I think if you, I think most people, I'm making a massive generalization here now, most people will choose the comfortable path and the path of least resistance, given the opportunity. They will choose to do it the easiest. The remote control for the TV wasn't invented out of necessity. It was invented out of laziness, right? It wasn't out of convenience. It was because somebody didn't want to haul their carcass across the room and turn the knob and read the magazine to figure out what they actually wanted to watch on TV. I think that you need to test students. I think they need to be tested on a day. I think they need to meet the standard. And then of course you definitely take into consideration you blew your hamstring out. Your kid was up puking all night. That definitely needs to be taken under consideration. But what we're doing is pressure testing people and with no pressure, you're not pressure testing them. In my opinion. Having a testing day and pressure testing people are two different things. They can be the same thing, but that is not to insinuate that they don't get pushed and forged, you know, during the classes, which is- They should get pressured. No class that you come to should be a comfortable class. You should never come to the dojo feeling, I got this. I know what the teacher's gonna make me do. I'm 100% ready for it. If that's how you come to the dojo, again, you should find another dojo. That's, or another school, I say dojo, but you should, I have never driven to Michigan to train with Sensusuino and on the trip not been had some level of anxiety as I was traveling there thinking what will he make me do will I be able to do it have I trained enough have I like and I'm really grateful that I have those thoughts of myself and I'm I'm questioning myself in that way Um, yeah I think we might be saying similar things yeah yeah that's okay man I and you know the thing is is like I said I've I've gone back and forth, you know, I've done, I've, I've been through, through both camps of camps of that. And I think there's, I think there's positive things with both approaches, just like I think there's also negative things with both approaches. And I think you have to decide for yourself, like, you know, how do I, can I identify those positives and can I identify those negatives and figure out a way that works for me with inside, with inside my school, my system that I can try to maximize the positives, minimize the negatives, and have a good experience for both my students and for myself. Agreed. Says this, you know, before we go around the horn, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that question. Uh, I'm the guy who created this martial arts event called the Crucible. And I believe in, <laughs> I believe in crucibles, large and small, right? So I think the testing, the pressure testing, um, you know, I believe in stepping on the floor of the Kodokan when you're shitting your pants is a formative experience. You know, I was up there in Kitchener a couple of weeks ago and your partner, Christine, was testing, you know, her first martial arts test ever. I believe the experience of that test changed her okay. and it will continue to change her over the coming weeks and months and years. Um, so my answer is, I believe there there's value in pressure testing on a daily basis. And there's a there's a value in pressure testing on it in, in, in the testing circumstance. Uh, so I guess my opinion is it exists anyway, but it also can be even more beneficial as uh, if you're an instructor who th- does that intentionally. I don't mean puts more pressure on them, just understands what the pressure is and uses that as part of the long-term teaching methodology. Does that make sense? Makes sense. 
Yep. yep. Listen, so I think we're going to go around the horn. I got a couple of uh, announcements that I want to make for when this gets pushed out. But I do want to say, regardless of all our opinions, I'll be thinking of everybody's opinions when I leave. And then my opinions will be changed and informed by a discussion that we had today. And to me, that's the value of this, right? It's not about one person needs to be right, one person needs to be wrong. Everybody needs to leave and think. And then, as you said, Kent, change themselves in the way that they accept uh, that change. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation today. It was a great conversation. And so- having me today, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Kent, we're gonna, I'm gonna go to Sense Legacy, let him provide his thoughts, Sense Suino, then you'll get the final word and I'm just gonna make some announcements in the end. Sense Legacy, what do you think about today's conversation? Great conversation, you know, just uh, that's what these things are for. And every time I teach somebody a private lesson, when they bow and they leave the door and I say to them, and that's what I'm saying to you now, is go out and make karate better, make martial arts better. Okay. Thanks, Sensei. Sensei Suino? Yeah, I love these conversations and um, they're all great, but it's really fun when it's a conversation among people who have had uh, such a long relationship, uh, you know, I, I don't know at the core that we disagree on much. And if we do, that's cool. Uh, it'll be, it'll be uh, uh, formative. I'll be thinking about this and uh, can't wait to get on the mat again with each and every one of you. Ken, what are your final, final thoughts about today and our chats? I think rank, rank should help guide you in your journey. I don't think it should drive you in your journey. Good I guess that's what I feel. That's good. Yep. Sets Legacy says, love the training and the ranks will follow. Just love the training. Uh, so thanks so much. Uh, this is the short format, which has gone for an hour and 20 minutes because we like chatting with each other, but, uh, but that, which is great. Like, I don't care. It's good. Um, I just want to mention that we have some other events coming up soon. Uh, May 14th, 15th here in Kitchener. Sets Legacy, Sets Suino. Uh, Hanchi Terian, Hanchi Sai, Setsi Copeland, Ben Delasor, Mike Civic, um, James Freeze, Adet, Rice. So far, everybody I've mentioned is at least uh, sixth and or higher, multidiscipline. We're going to have a multidiscipline training event at the University of Waterloo for two days. Uh, if you're seeing this, reach out to any one of us and we'll get you the information somehow. Uh, in June, we're going to do World Martial Arts Live again. Can't wait for that. It's going to be such a fun event. Uh, it was so cool the last time. Everybody participated in one way or the other and had information on it. So, and the next one, you know, Sensei Suino, you know an event is successful when you reach out to a person like Yahagi Sensei, who has no reason to say, yes, I'll do it if he doesn't like it. And he right away says, oh yeah, I want to do that again right then then you know you you found something good so those are a couple of the events and then check out our long format podcasts they're all on our youtube channel lots of great information and good discussions there cheers everybody rock and roll thanks guys thanks guys i appreciate it have a great Bye. weekend